Welcome to the Superconscious Success Podcast, where Jen and her Superconscious Success family co-hosts bring you valuable content each and every week on topics relating to manifestation, spirituality, and most of all, using your superconscious to manifest success in all areas of your life. Now on to today's episode. Hey there, Superconscious Success fam. Welcome back to another episode of the Superconscious Success podcast. Today we are, Eileen and I, we are actually going to be talking about our segment on conscious parenting and we are going to be talking to Lainey Liberti. Now we're so excited to be bringing our guest to you today who has had quite the life. Now I'm going to read you her bio because it is fascinating and then she's going to delve into it even deeper. As I said, her name is Lainey Liberti and she is an author, a speaker, a community leader, a team coach and an alternative education advocate who has helped to spearhead the world schooling movement. Now, after the economy crash in 2008, Lainey closed her branding agency and her and her son, Mario, decided to choose a life of adventure and so hit the road for what was supposed to be one year but still on the road after 13 years, volunteering and learning from all the world experiences. Now, her and her son are advocates of the world schooling movement and have worked tirelessly to bring it to the public awareness. So now we are going to speak to Lainey about her experiences and the concept of world schooling. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. So go, Eileen. (laughs) Oh, well, okay. I'm Eileen Dillon and uh, Lainey, we're really happy to have you on the show. I was a single parent for 20 years, so I was fascinated with how you utilized your single parent years. And I'm curious about how you, uh, what motivated you to get started and, and uh, what, what were you working with? How, how did you decide to, to do what you now call world schooling? Yeah, that's such a great question. And thank you for inviting me here. Both of you, I'm excited to be here. And I, I never correct people, um, but I, I pronounce my name Liberty, but oh, okay. you can pronounce yeah, Liberty if you want. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. But um, to answer your question, Eileen, um, like the, it was accumulation of a lot of different things. I was a single parent. I am a single parent. Um, the custodial parent. Um, also, I was the one who was financially, you know, taking care of everything. I owned a business um, and I really, you know, I believed I was doing the right thing. I was working really hard. Um, my time, my energy was really focused on building this this ad agency uh, that I ran. Uh, worked in advertising for um, 18 years in the last eight of those years it was my own agency so it was like a little boutique branding ad agency and we specialized in green ego marketing and nonprofits, and it was really lucrative it was the first one in la that was specialized and it was before the big green boom and it was really an interesting time to be a part of that um you know that industry and so I, i'm grateful for that um 2008 the economy crashed. And at that time, um, my son was nine years old. Um, and he would say to me all the time, Mom, you're always working, you never spend any time with me. And of course, my heart would break. And as a single parent, what can you do, you need to respond to it. But on the other hand, I was doing the best I could, I was providing a future, I was, you know, Mm -hmm. the breadwinner, I was doing all the stuff that we were meant to do, according to the American dream, of course. Um, So when he said that continuously, like, I didn't know what to say, like, you know, what do you do? What's the option? But because the economy crashed in California. (laughs) Good motivation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, we, I looked at this as a potential opportunity and I was burnt out. I wanted to respond to my son in, in a way that was respectful. Loved my son. We had a very close, I mean, I still love him, not loved him yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i love him dearly we have a wonderful that. relationship yeah yeah me too <laughs> um and so i really wanted you know to do something about what he was saying and so i said okay 
Um, I know that, you know, it's October. It was one night really late in the office. He was there. Um, and I said to him, look, I know I'm not going to bring back my staff after the Christmas break. Um, we've lost our clients. They've gone away. Um, I just can't afford to, you know, yeah. I'm looking realistically. And I said, what would you think about us just getting rid of all of our stuff and going to travel for a year? He's like, hell yeah. <laughs> Right. And then he said, do I have to go to school? And I said, of course not. No, let's, let's just go travel for a year. And that was the thought, the idea. And intuitively I knew that, yeah, why school? Why fifth grade? What's that got on, you know, (laughs) cultures and all of this stuff. So from that night, we started to prepare and you know, the, the economy crashing and the change of, of, you know, like shutting my business after eight years, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that's pretty, that can be pretty like, you know, give you torment (laughs) is something that I built, but I just, I just knew it. I just knew we were going to do it. And he said, yes, he was on board. I wanted to do this for our relationship. I missed out on the first nine years of really, really being present for him. Mm -hmm. I was there. I took care of him. I provided, I did everything I could do, you know, including getting babysitters and, you know, all the stuff that I had to do to, to make it work. But he wanted to be with me and he wanted to have an adventure. So that's how it started. Yeah. Wow. That is, wow. That is quite the adventure. And and I can imagine that must have been super exciting for him just to be able to up and, and travel. Where was the first place that you went to? So funny enough, um, I'm speaking to you from Mexico, <laughs> and that was the first place that we went. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So we decided to go south, and that was really our big plan. When I was in my 20s, I backpacked for more than a year all throughout Europe, and I knew it was so freeing, and I knew that yeah. it was it was something that transformed who I became as an adult and how I saw the world, and I was like, we could do this. Let's let's go south. We're in California. Heading south means if we go south, we go through central and we can, you know, set our sights on the destination of Ushuaia, which is the tip of South America. Let's backpack and and have an adventure and see where it takes us. He's like, "Yeah, let's do that." So, we had a rough idea. We gave ourselves a huge amount of time, like a year seems like an infinite amount of time but I'll tell you 13 years later we still haven't <laughs> gone back we still haven't made it to Ushuaia um, Argentina oh. and like it seems to have gone so quickly like a year oh my gosh you couldn't get anything done in a year like we had no. to keep extending it and extending it so yeah that, and that's what brought us into the lifestyle and world schooling and partnership parenting and and all the things that I write about in my book um, and all the work that I've been doing over the last 10 years or so, yeah. And I guess that's what's so great about what we all do is that we can actually do it from remotely. So so you're able to travel all over the world and by the sounds of it, you have no intention of stopping because it sounds like you and Mara are having an awesome time. Um, how's, how's he going with all of this? Like, um, I bet he has had some incredible experiences and, you know, we look at the, we look at the conventional school system and, you know, know, don't look at it. I know, (laughs) but I was finishing that sentence and we look at it and we go, okay, well, you know, we've got maths, our English, our science, our social studies or whatever it is. Um, how are we really going to use that in some of that in everyday life? Whereas if you're experiencing the, um, you know, the different countries and do do you feel like at all that he's missed out on any of that? I mean, we know that conventional schooling is, you know, it's an interesting topic, but um, how do you feel that he's gone in regards to the schooling side of things throughout this time? Well, (laughs) he is highly educated and we adapted to become unschoolers. So in fact, some people may be familiar with the term radical unschoolers. That was the the path that we chose. He went from 
traditional schooling up until you know all the way through fourth grade um and then fifth grade we started to travel mm. and i knew intuitively that at the time it was supposed to be one year of travel i knew intuitively that one year of travel would give way more than fifth grade yeah. could ever give oh yeah totally no problem there and when we decided about eight months into our travels to continue the lifestyle <laughs> that's carlos <laughs> and not go back I had to actually start researching as the parent, right? Yeah. I need to now look at, well, how are we going to address um, education? You have yeah. to be educated. And that brought us down a path into like really understanding what the school system is, what the, the general public's relationship to quote unquote air quotes, if you can't see this education is right. Education is something that you receive from a particular institution and it's prepackaged and ordained and you know, the sage yeah. on the state will give you the information. And we started looking at why that is so, and I've always been an anarchist. <laughs> like To me, the idea of moving through something and not questioning it, but I, the, the interesting thing is I had never questioned education. I just sort of accepted it. But yeah. once we As we all do, unfortunately. Absolutely. And as soon as we started to unpack it, we had the permission to redefine what we wanted from education. Yeah. And instead of using the term education, we started to use the term learning. And that was empowering because we were doing it and we were doing it together. And the act of actually learning, which is creating neural pathways and experiencing new things and placing context to it, all that was naturally happening from the the tool that we have carrying around on top of our shoulders like that that this this head thing that we have is a container <laughs> for this brain which is a learning machine so we got to learn and we knew that we were doing it naturally because there were things that we didn't know before and then we figured out that we knew it and we were learning in partnership yeah we were doing it and it was fun and it was relevant and curiosity was like a huge part of the process so yeah. i had no i needed no convincing that that he'd get a good education so my son is now 23. yeah um we're not we're both in the same city in mexico but we don't live together yeah. anymore <laughs> He's working, he's living his life. Um, and actually I'm gonna meet him in a couple hours to go see nice. some music. But, but you know, I mean, it's a lovely, lovely partnership still, but it, it has moved in transition. Yeah, it's evolved. Absolutely. Yeah, I wanna I wanna talk about your your intuition, your your mm. ability to work with your intuition, because I think that's one of the things that schooling, if you will, or education kind of knocks out of us. But I, I've heard you say that a number of times now that you were, uh, that you, okay, I intuitively knew I needed to do something different. I, I had done this before, et cetera, et cetera. And I think a lot of people are afraid to follow their intuition. Yeah. They think that what they're hearing or getting is not correct. How do you define what intuition or what you feel or what you experience? How do you know that it's what you want to follow? Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny that you should ask this because there were a number of things that my son and I decided to do when we set out. We wanted to create, and, and I'm the kind of person who needs sort of like tools mm -hmm. or some sort of map to give me a, a, a sort a of sense of, mm -hmm. yeah. But it's created by us. Yes, like it's not like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we decided that we were going to live in partnership. And I could talk about partnership parenting in a minute if you guys want to. The other thing we decided we were going to do is we were going to say yes to everything. Hungry. And that required us unpacking three things intuition, inspiration, and, um, Wait, intuition, inspiration, and wait, there's one more. There's one more. 
there's one more. Oh, instinct. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instinct. Right. And we did a bunch of sort of like body work exercises before we left to figure out where it sits in in each of our bodies. So to know that inspiration, you know, made my heart flutter and it, yeah. and it felt like it was coming from here for me and he felt it in a different place. And in intuition and instinct also felt quite differently. And we decided that we were always gonna listen to instinct and intuition. We were going to tune into that. Yeah. I can't even tell you how many times we did not get into a taxi because one or the other of us said, this doesn't feel right. And we trusted it. And it didn't matter if there was money spent or if there were things waiting for us. What was more important was the instinct and the intuition. So we practiced it and it was an intentional thought. And I'm so glad you you intuitively tuned in to ask yeah. me that. Yeah. Because well, it was a big part of what we did. Yeah. I'm on the road. I, I'm in my late 70s and I'm on the road in my RV and have been for five years. And people ask me, what's your plan? And I go, I don't, don't know. Don't have one. <laughs> you know, so... I'm really relating to this uh, uh, because uh, I think so many people uh, don't understand trusting what you pick up with your body or your intuition to the extent that you don't make plans. You, you follow your inspiration, you follow your instinct, you follow your curiosity instead. Yeah. And what's been happening for me, and I, I'll, I know it's happened for you guys too, is I've been having the most incredible adventures. I meet the most interesting people. I have experiences I would never have expected to have as a yeah. result. And what an exciting way to be in the world. Thank you for doing that with your son. Well, yeah. it's it's interesting because I've I sort of come from a different from a different place because my childhood was um, a lot of traveling. We we shifted out like shifted locations frequently because my parents used to work on Aboriginal communities, and so we actually lived in multiple Aboriginal communities, and we were um, school of the air schooled. Um, so. A lot of my life, my education um, was what I would consider life experiences, just like what Myra went through. And so being able to, you know, being able to go and, you know, um, volunteer at different places or go and pick up some, like work at different stores or volunteer at different places, um, I think was a really important part of my my growing up and my education until I hit high school and then had to go into a normal school. Um, so I absolutely love the experience and I can just imagine what Maro went through. Um, well, you, yeah. you know, you, you, uh, are not living a traditional life either. So <laughs> no. it lead, leads me to wonder what is Myro doing with his life now? Yeah. Oh, he's, he is enjoying it. <laughs> he is, I'm sure you're curious about the work part, right? <laughs> so <laughs> He is um, a an alternative education facilitator. He works for a self-directed learning hub. Um, the the education that he had and the work experience and the volunteering and the travel just was the perfect resume yeah, for that's this. perfect. So he works with nine to 12 year olds and he is such an intuitive mm -hmm. in terms of facilitating and he's he's so spot on. He's really, really good at it. He's also a writer. He writes poetry and short stories and he's a game developer. Um, <laughs> he's he's amazing. He's yeah. spoken at many conferences. Uh, he wrote the foreword to my book. Um, nice. Just, yeah, he's super highly educated. He's a philosopher and political scientist and um, is an expert at Greek mythology, which became one of his passions. So of course we had to go there and walk yeah. the path of the gods. And we spoke with several um, like PhDs in mythology and they're having like one-on-one -on -one conversations. And at the end of the conversations, they're looking at me saying, this kid is as educated in this stuff as I am, which is really incredible to hear. So the self-education path is really a powerful way of going. 
pretty much, you know, just um, supporting your learner to follow the passions and go as deep as they want. That raises an interesting question because so many people say if you don't get all the things that they're offering you in school, you won't be well-rounded. And yet, here your son and you too, uh, Jen, uh, you're able to take, uh, he's able to take what he has learned and he doesn't need a lot of other stuff in order to be successful. Can you talk about that for a minute? How does that work? So I have had this question a lot. Um, People usually phrase it by saying, how do you deal with the, and air quotes again, gaps in his education? And I would say that everybody's education has gaps, whether you go through a traditional, you know, conventional schooling path, or if you're homeschooled using a certain curriculum, everybody's education has quote unquote gaps. The other thing that I would also urge people to think about is that we're not all meant to do the same things in life. And I don't mean meant as as if it's predetermined or preordained, but we're not interested in doing the same things in life. So why should we all have the same education? Mm -hmm. And I understand on the other side, it's kind of where you were coming from in terms of this question, which is if you don't expose them to all of these well-rounded topics, how will they know what to pick? And I ideally, we think schools offer them well-rounded topics, but yeah, do they? They don't, they don't. And, and that's the thing. I've always thought, what, what is the point of a conventional schooling system and that offers all these subjects that you really are not interested in. And we wonder why our kids can tune out sometimes because they're put into a classroom that does not interest them in the in the slightest. And then they're expected to be able to get motivated and, and excited about learning that topic. And it's not easy. Um, I believe that most of my learning came from my experiences as I was growing up and, and not from the textbooks that were in front of me. Um, now, I'm sure like any schooling system, there are benefits to it. But I, I agree with you that, you know, life experiences can far surpass um, anything that you can learn from a textbook. And this is this is what's really this is what's really interesting, because my husband, uh, we often have conversations because, you know, I'm very liberated like that and he's grown up in the you know he's a PhD he's um, you know he's a scientist and education is super important to him so it's kind of like we have these interesting conversations about you know he's like oh no but you have to go to this and you have to go to this and and I say but I went and I did my uni and I did my college and I don't use any of that information anymore like it, it's like what I did do, and I don't regret it because it allowed me to, because I'm actually a naturopath, that's where I started. It allowed me to get into that, um, into that area because you have to get licenses and all sorts of things. But the information I learned is so outdated now that, you know, it's really life experience that has taught me everything that I really need to know. So it's interesting. Because they super conscious focus that we have in this I want to tie this in to spirituality yeah uh, Lainey you don't know that I in my teaching I say to everybody the world is a giant school and we've mm-hmm. all come here in order to learn and grow right and and so it, it's uh, but but the part of education if you will in the giant school that I work with which is emotions and learning from your experiences uh, is not usually addressed how did you work with that with uh, yourself and your son yeah that's a huge topic and that actually is what my book is about <laughs> um, I apologize I didn't read it I- no 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 no, it's okay. <laughs> it's totally okay. Um, I would say, first of all, I want to sort of respond to what Jennifer said. And I would say that learning in context, mm-hmm. learning when it's relevant to you, when it has meaning yes. to you, 
creates deeper learning. It does. So even if you are forced to memorize or learn concepts out of a book, you that kind of surface learning will be just sort of the superficial learning. Mm -hmm. But until it has meaning to your life, yeah. there's no reason to have that you know, knowledge. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. You don't know what's going to happen. And I get that. And that's a great argument for, for having a broad education. But once it's contextual, once it has meaning, the experience makes that learning deep and, yeah. and profound um, to the learner. So I just wanted to respond in that way. Um, in terms of emotional and spiritual um, growth and education, if you will, um, a good part of our traveling was really about relating. Mm. And it was about, again, partnership. And we really, really had to be accountable and practice communication and understanding the internal worlds. And I would always say this, the internal worlds or, or the external worlds are going to be a reflection of our yeah. internal worlds Absolutely. and vice versa. Like if we're in a bad mood, we're going to go look at something and we're going to see ugliness or, mm -hmm. you know, that's going to be like a, a really simplistic way of, of illustrating internal and external worlds and the relationship. But you can't have a, a wonderful experience from the outside if, if you're not doing self-inquiry and figuring out what's happening inside. Mm. Um, a good part of my adulthood was healing a lot of childhood traumas mm -hmm. and being accountable for that and vulnerable and fallible and showing my humanness. So there, there would never be a sense that I am this superhuman that is put on a pedestal, which is the way that I, I had to view my parent yeah. or parents. Um, and that was really difficult because it created a lot of false stories in my own psyche, um, a lot of shadow beliefs, a lot of archetypes that I, I you know, adapted in order to um, have an identity that I that wasn't surrounded by shame. So going through all of these personal sort of, you know, here's my reaction, here's my trigger, here's all this stuff and communicating that with my son made me accountable for my own internal worlds, right? Mm -hmm. And by modeling that I'm healing these old stories constantly. And now that we have time, we're 24 seven together, like before I was working and didn't have time to deal with yeah. that stuff. Well, we're together 24 seven and he's the human that's with me. The modeling of, of the accountability for the state of my own internal worlds modeled to him. I didn't teach him, but it modeled to him to have that accountability for himself. And when we were in conflict, we understood that, you know, human here, human here, and maybe the thing that's, that's in the middle creating the conflict is some stories that are unresolved in our own psyche or spirit that hasn't really come up and we need to resolve this in both individually and our jobs are to be the mirror for the other human being to be able to see what's happening and you mentioned, uh, you mentioned partnership parenting and when my kids were growing up i realized that they were helping me with my learning mm -hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. part of partnership parenting i just want you to expand into that for a minute i'm sorry to interrupt no you but i want to tie it together well, partnership parenting is the intentional act of parenting well in partnership, but it's all it's it's I don't mean to sound trite or anything, but it's it's from from an anarchist perspective, there is authority and there's authority outside of yourself and there's authority from within. There's when you you act on authority or sovereignty would be a better word when we're applying it to ourselves from within. Sovereignty is in direct um, opposition to outer authority, right? Mm -hmm. So sovereignty means sovereignty of, of act, of um, spirit, of desires, 
of also thoughts. So what I'm accountable to be a sovereign human being is, is there some conditioning and thoughts and belief systems happening that was given to me by culture, my own traumas, my own childhood, my own family, you know, dynamic with generational wounds, all that stuff. Is that part of what I'm bringing to life and all of my relationships? Mm -hmm. If it is, then I need to claim sovereignty and recognize that I'm, I need to live with that and how that's gonna play into the relationships. Now taking that, con so taking that concept into our relationships and our families, I am not the boss of my son. I am the partner of my son and I don't have authority over him. We have authority over ourselves. Yeah. How do we come together as two sovereign beings and create a consensual relationship, right? In yeah. consent. Perfect. With <laughs> because Perfect. we are, because we are, you know, conditioned from very early on. The the parents up here, the child's down here, and we don't recognise that, you know, we are individual beings that have our own paths, our own missions. Um, and I believe that, and I often say, my kids are my greatest teachers because they have brought out so much in me and made me deal with so much. And they brought out my strength and, and my power and um, that nobody else could possibly do for me like the way that they have. And they've allowed me to really dig deep and discover who I am. And so I think once you realize that they're their own people and they were put in our, in our lives to, to help us to, um, to evolve as as souls and so I, I love what you say Eileen is down there nodding her head because she is real passionate about this sort of stuff <laughs> so and being being with when I talk about the intuition and we were talking about you know using that that intuition and that feeling well my whole purpose here is about connection that's that's what I believe I was put here for and that's connection with your higher self and that's connection with that that part of you, that intuitive part of you, that if you can learn to listen, which is what you and your son both did, you learn to listen to that part of you, then you can never go wrong because you will be guided on the path that is for your best good. So um, I just wanted to just say, I think that, um, you know, if people can learn to listen to that part of them, then, um, then, then they're going to be on the right path. And it's scary saying that mm. I'm not the boss of my kid, mm. you know, and people are like, what? You mean he could do whatever he wants? Of course he can do whatever he wants. But here's the difference. My son and I have defined and designed our family culture to be value driven. Yeah. We can even name what the values are. So instead of living by rules that are seemingly outside of ourselves or, or some other authority, we're driven by our inner values. So yeah. is this in alignment with our family culture values? Is this in alignment with my individual values? We know immediately if the answer is yes or no. And that guides yeah. us because we're clear about, again, the internal worlds. And these are the conversations that we're constantly having. And, yeah. and you know, this is just a normalized way of living in partnership with another human being. It didn't matter that, that you know, he was young. It, yeah. He's still a human being with a thinking mind, opinions, desires, thoughts, feelings. Yeah, yeah. let's own, honor. And his own mission. Yeah. which I yes. think uh, a lot of times, especially in my growing up, parents felt they had the right to tell a child what they were supposed to do in their life. And uh, we each have our own mission as well. And the, and unfortunate, so the unfortunate thing is that, that because we were programmed um, in that way, it's, it's, about us, yeah, it's about us actually digging in and going, oh, that's not how I want to actually, that's not how I actually want to work this. Um, but every now and then you come up and you go, go oh, I, I've just been telling them what to do. No, I've got to stop. I've got to, because it is programmed in us. It's something that we do have to start to, to work on, you know, and you've got to work on that shadow side and you've got to work on that, that inner dialogue and those value systems are so important. What's important I, to you? But my then, son helped, helped me with that. Mm -hmm. uh, when he was five, I told him one day, go in and clean your room. He went, 
he had apoplexy. And I had a wise friend I consulted, what's going on with him? Why can't I just ask him? And he said, whenever you tell your son to clean the room, he automatically feels like you're putting yourself up here and he's yeah. down here. Yep. And so I developed a different method. I said, what is your plan for cleaning your room? Yeah. And he said, you know, he was I know. <laughs> and I said, well, too bad. If you don't have a plan, we're going to have to use mine. And it didn't take him long to develop his own plans, you know, because yeah. he had them. He just hadn't applied them in that area. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, when we talk about like, you know, kind of these cultural <laughs> beliefs, mm. like, you know, that we've adapted, like our houses need to be clean. I mean, yeah. that might be my personal preference, but yeah, yeah exactly. Does it really? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But it's that's what I'm talking about in terms of sovereignty of thought. Like, is this my belief or is this a cultural belief or a generational belief or programming from elsewhere? Unpack this stuff and find out why your son's non-clean room is important to him. Maybe it's not. Maybe he'll clean it. He just doesn't know how. Maybe he really likes to thrive in, in what we perceive as chaos because that looks like organic organization to him. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Go. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. One of the things that I've been facing uh, just in the last few weeks is like you, Lainey, I had a very challenging childhood. I was in a military family. I traveled all the time too. And I was in um, uh, 14 different school systems by the time I got out of high school. Uh, and um, uh, now I'm losing my, my question, but it has to do with, um, Never mind. I lost my question. <laughs> it's It'll okay. We'll move on. We'll come back. <laughs> so we'll come back. Um, okay. So what I wanted to what I wanted to bring up is something that people are probably wondering about, and that is, okay, this sounds like an exciting experience, which um, which it is because traveling a lot. I know how I know how exciting it could be, but financially, how did you do it? How did you manage to be able to get up? travel around, backpack and all of that um, and kind of support yourself and support your son during that process. And, and part of that, Jen, is uh, so much of parenting. People are concerned, well, my kid has to grow up and they have to support themselves. So how did you also convey that to your son? Uh, well, first of all, um, I'll tell you how we did it, but I want to tell you the, the manner in which we where where he learned how to support yeah. himself. Mm -hmm. We were in partnership. So my money was our money. Our budget was our budget to figure out. He had all the account codes. He had an ATM. It was our money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he was held accountable and responsible for his part of managing our budget. Mm -hmm. So we did it together. So we had to figure out what it was going to cost each month, how we want to spend our money, how we want to budget it. Um, for the first year, we had savings and we sold most of our stuff before we left. And so we were fine. I didn't work for that first year. But once we decided to continue um, on, onward, uh, obviously, we had to figure something out. <laughs> And what we learned, and as this is the first time that he was accountable for helping me budget. So at 10 years old, you know, 10 year olds don't think about that, especially when they're living a conventional life, you know, mm -hmm. mom and dad pay for everything and whatever you, you got what you got and you know, whatever the, the, the economic um, statuses of the family, that's the means in which you lived. Well, I never talked about finances before, but when we started traveling, I pulled up the bank account and said, this is how much we have. How are we, how are we going to make this last and how are we going to spend it? And one of the other things coming from the world of advertising, I was very um, articulate about consumerism and we, I helped him become very media literate as a young child. So mm -hmm. we pull apart 
ads and see what the messaging was be behind a toy commercial like you know is this saying you're you're not cool if you don't have this toy and he'd be able to decipher that pretty good because we made it into a game and so when we started traveling and he started looking at the reality of money mm. uh, we got to decide how we wanted to live our lives right and because he wanted me to spend time with him, he didn't want me to work. So that that we knew that was one of the the um, uh, criteria. Yeah. So a year not working, and we had the money to do it. And then we started looking at what American, because we're American, what American consumerism looks like. And I'd share with them what I used to spend on the expenses before we left in L.A. Mm -hmm. and Expensive. Now <laughs> and now we're living in Nicaragua. And wow. he's really understanding that things cost different and people around us as we're living in these local communities also have a different relationship to money than we did and we started to really change our relationship to money so we were able to live quite frugally and that was because that was the choice that we made in order for us to have the big picture right and in order for us to I mean if if I just said hey let's go on all expense you know like around the world trip it would be a totally different learning experience for him but this was our money he was accountable he did the the conversions he helped with the budgets we figured out what it cost to travel what what we needed to pay rent and when it came time to like we decided not to go back because remember in the beginning I told you we had this agreement to yeah. say yes to everything. Yeah. Well, eight months in, he said, can we keep doing this forever? And of course I had to say yes. yes. <laughs> so we had to look at what, how we were going to make a living. And we recognized that what I used to earn in one month in LA, we could live on for one year in Latin America. And I, I was articulate and let him know I didn't want to go back to advertising or branding or marketing. I didn't want to do that. My heart wasn't there anymore. Let's figure out another way. And so we started, you know, all I needed to earn was a thousand dollars a month and I could figure that out. I was pretty yeah. smart. So we did that. So I started to blog and do articles and things like yeah. that. And yeah, so wow. I think that this is, I think that this, that was a really important lesson for for your son to learn because children in, of today can can sometimes not understand the the concept of money because because of that what we call hierarchy I suppose because of the the economic um, thing of the family up until they're a certain age my daughter she's just started her own lash business uh, from home and so she's responsible for all of her own bills now and she's responsible for paying for all of her own supplies and um, you know for if she wants to go and party with her friends she's 18 she wants to go party with her friend she's responsible for all of that she's responsible for uber uber money or whatever and so she's starting to learn that it's not mummy or daddy buying buying stuff anymore you've got to buy your own clothes and you're working and you're a and so I think the fact that Mauro was taught that at such a young age about the whole concept of budgeting and being able to really figure out what's important and this is the thing it's like okay what's important to you what do you feel like you actually need and that way you can actually figure out what what you're going what your requirements are but i think a lot of parents in say the us would um would say that what you were asking myro to do was too much responsibility <laughs> for such a small child and and i want I, I want to hear your answer to that i have an answer to it but what's what's your answer uh, what made you think it wasn't too much that he, it might scare him or that mm. he would learn to be too frugal or that he would uh, get into protecting you instead of doing what was right for him? What, where did that come from? Well, it was our trip and our adventure and we were in partnership. Why mm. should I have to, to, you know, take, I mean, granted, we both take different you know responsibilities yeah because we have different skill sets but 
why would I carry that burden? Why, why would that not, why is there a taboo around that particular topic yeah. and not other topics? And I just, you know, yeah. wanted to destroy that. It is, uh, we're kind of, we're kind of taught as, as parents that we shouldn't be talking to our kids about money because that's right. going to scare them. And then, um, you know, and then they're going to be worried about our finances or whatever it is. And it's like, but you're in a family unit. And so, but I get exactly what Eileen's saying is that, you know, people are in America and in Australia too, I mean, it's, it's exactly the same, is that it is a topic that is taboo to not talk about with your kids. But what, you, what we are talking about is taking responsibility. Yeah. And my learning is that responsibility is one of the prime things that we need to learn. We need our children to learn because each of us is responsible on a spiritual level. We're all responsible for our own lives. And uh, responsibility is also a key ingredient in self-esteem. Yeah. So as you encourage Myro to take the response of the co-responsibility for this, wasn't he also building his self-esteem? Absolutely. And self-worth. And, you know, I also, I just want to respond to what Jennifer said. Um, I didn't actually teach him. Mm. I just empowered him. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So I didn't yep. say, I'm going to sit down and teach you how to do a budget. I didn't yeah. do that. <laughs> Yeah. here's what we got how are we yeah. going to deal with this how do you want to have this experience mm -hmm. right. so yeah Absolutely. it wasn't about, and but through the actual experience there was deep learning excellent wow this is this has been really really interesting chat because it kind of brought up a lot of memories from from my childhood and um and it's yeah, I, I can only imagine how much how much learning Myra did throughout that experience. So I have I have absolutely loved having you on this show, as I'm sure Eileen has. And um and so before we do head off, Eileen, is there anything else that you would like to ask Lainey? I just would like to know what you most uh hope that people learn from hearing your story. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I guess I would go back to one of the earliest questions that you asked, and that was really about following your intuition and yeah. understanding that um, you can reject the conventional way of living. You can reject anything that's not in alignment mm -hmm. with your true soul or heart or being or values, whatever word you want to put around it. You have the power. Um, also recognizing that, you know, as sovereign beings, we have the ability to say, this is what's important to me this is how I wish to live my life and if there are systems that do that no longer serve me I'm gonna let them go and that includes parenting mm -hmm. that includes parenting yeah yeah absolutely so one more thing comes up and that is the concept of fear mm -hmm. so oh when, when I go out in my RV people go oh it must take a lot of courage for you to travel alone at your age you know and I go, well, no, I don't think it takes courage at all because we define courage as feeling the fear and doing it anyway. But I don't feel the fear in the first place. So it's not courage. Where did fear come into or not come into your life? Oh my God, I have so many stories about my relationship to fear. So many stories. Um, you know, understanding and unpacking what fear is is really important you've got to intellectually understand it part of fear is is you know part of your experience to keep you safe and i get that but then there's obsessive thinking and anxiety and all mm -hmm. these other things that are happening and once you understand that that they're not the same thing that there are different aspects okay now we know what we're dealing with fear usually is tied to a belief about self mm -hmm. and the belief about self is usually hidden under layers and layers and layers and layers of 
different, you know, you stack emotions than beliefs and the, the beliefs that are thought habitually turn into truths. And a lot of it has to deal with scarcity. A lot of it has to do yeah. with some of these core beliefs you have about yourself. And I think just you utilizing tools to be able to unpack and decipher what all those things are is really, really important. And so when you enter into a partnership, whether it's with a romantic partner or, or in your families, being accountable for the stuff that you bring is super, super important, right? Yeah. So, you know, partnership means like, okay, yeah, I reacted that way. I responded that way. And that was my trigger because that's my stuff that I need to deal with. And if I am using a fear to control or manipulate you, then the problem's really with me. And yeah. as parents, we feel um, sometimes we're uh, justified, but I just want to keep my child safe. Well, of course you want to keep your child safe. Nobody's ever questioning that. But let's talk about the manipulation. Let's mm -hmm. talk about the taking away of the sovereignty of another individual. Mm -hmm. You can be there to guide, but if you're there to control based from your own fears, that's your work as a parent or a person in a, in a partner in, in the relationship. So I just want to say I really feel like I have truly met a... <laughs> Hello, traveler today. Yeah. <laughs> Introducing us. Oh, thank you so much. Now, before we go, can you let everybody know what are you up to right now? Where can they contact you? And um, and how can they get involved in this this whole world movement that's going around? <laughs> Well, we didn't talk about this, but but part of the work that I do is I mentor and work with teens. So I'm really passionate about helping teens utilize tools for greater mental health for themselves. So, mm -hmm. you know, I saw how important it was for Miro when he was moving through his adolescence. I saw how important it was <laughs> for me to yeah. heal not having that right yeah. mm -hmm. um so uh the work with teens that i do you can find me at transformative mentoring for teens.com and i just released a book for parents of teens and tweens called seen heard understood parenting and partnering with your teens for greater mental health so you can search for that on amazon mm -hmm. and the work that i do supporting world schoolers um, both through projectworldschool.com and through weareworldschoolers.org so there, there's there's nice. many many ways you can find me there's lots online um lots of websites lots of different programs um, and check and out I her TEDx talk because that that was pretty oh, yeah. incredible. <laughs> that was like 2016. Oh, that was a long time ago. But yeah, yeah, we did a TEDx talk too. So yeah, you can check that out. What's it called? Um, if you just Google Lainey and Miro um, unschooling TEDx, yeah. you'll find it. You'll find it. Yeah, it was, Miro was 16 when we did that talk. So um, yeah, it was pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet. Oh, well, thank you so much, Lainey, for being with us today. We've absolutely. really, absolutely enjoyed it. And um, good luck on all of your future adventures um, in yeah. regards to this. <laughs> and, and thank you for bringing so much everywhere you go. Absolutely. Oh, Amazing yeah, thank you. Doing. It was a real pleasure to meet you, ladies. Thank you for inviting me to come on to your show. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll catch you later, Lainey. All right, take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye.